0: Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries. No more time zone issues. Just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more.
1: I am Georgina Donahue, the Director of Community here at Pragmatic Institutes. Today, I have the very great pleasure of being joined by Niels Yancey, founder at Deliver. He is here to talk to us about ChatGPT and how product professionals can really weave this tool into their work to elevate products, workflows, and organizations as a whole. Let's jump right into things. Niels, I am ready for the next slide, please. Uh, And I am absolutely delighted uh, to introduce all of you to Niels Yancey, he's the founder at Deliver, which is a really powerful tool designed to help product teams better collaborate on feature refinement and that process. He's also the author of the book, Epic Alignment, and most recently, he's been really celebrated and sought after in the product industry for his deep, deep knowledge of ChatGPT and its integration with other tools like Deliver. So welcome, Niels. I can't wait for our group to hear from you. I'm going to pass the reins right over so that you can further introduce yourself and uh, start sharing more with us.
2: Cool. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So first off, I just wanted to share, I added this little image. Uh, uh, This is not uh, GPT, but it's another cool feat of the generative AI. This is how the world reacts to a new uh, chatbot generated by DALI. Okay, moving right on. So briefly about me, like, uh, like uh, Georgina already, sa- already said, I'm the author of the book Epic Alignment. It's a book for product managers and he- helping them how to work with feature documents. When I wrote that a couple of years ago, I had interviewed about 300 product managers. Now, I don't know. I think I lost count at about 500, but we, at Deliver, we talk with a lot, a lot, a lot of product managers. I, lo- I love uh, engaging, and uh, so I'm looking forward to the Q&A later as well. Uh, and so... Uh, I'm the founder of Deliber or Deliber AI as we're coming to call it now, because we're integrating AI. Uh, It's a tool for product managers. I'll come back briefly to that. I also was on the board of directors of Storytel. It's unknown in the US. No, it's not entirely. It bought audiobooks.com in the US. So it's kind of uh, in there. Um, And before that, I was uh, a strategy consultant for a lot of years, and um, I'm an engineer in in the background. Enough about me. onto a meme so i'm sure you have seen this meme ai will not replace you a person using ai will uh, it's do- black uh, uh, on uh, white text on black it looks kind of scary but the uh, the thing that you uh, that that's kind of underneath this the kind of hidden meaning here is of course that a person using ai will replace you unless you are that person so i guess that's what we're going to that's what we're going to make sure in this session that you you are that person and not the person being replaced so First, super briefly about GPT-3 and chat GPT. So GPT-3, what is it? So it's an advanced AI language model developed by OpenAI. Uh, what it does, it, it just takes a bunch of words and looks at what's the likely next word and the next word and the next word. And uh, by doing this, the things it can do is absolutely crazy. It actually existed for quite some time uh, before OpenAI, decided to add a simple kind of wrapper app around it that they call the ChatGPT. Uh, and that app what uh, is the most successful app in uh, world history, actually. It got to 1 million users in five days. And you can see a comparison with other Actually, rather successful companies. And you can see that they they have got nothing up against ChatGPT. And since then, of course, it's gone way, way, way beyond 1 million users. I'm sure you're all among them. If you're not, you should be. Uh, and so, so yeah, this is very briefly, what is GPT? Three, what's ChatGPT? Uh, so at this point, I just want to take a step back and have a fun example. Because I think people don't realize how crazy versatile this tool is. This is one thing I did, uh, I think it was at the party to illustrate the the kind of versatility, just like telling it, pretend that you're an ATM, ask me questions. And then it said like, please enter your card. And I'm like entering my card. And then it goes, please enter your PIN number. And I enter it. And then kind of what transaction you want to make? And then at this point, actually, after you scroll down, it goes like, I can't give you any money. I'm just a model, yada, yada. But but you can see here that you can tell it anything and you can get anything back. So it's super, super versatile. and You can use it for any situation where you want text in and out. And so looking at GPT-3 and ChatGPT, kind of capabilities and limitations, uh, like I mentioned, you can take any text input and return any text output, basically. So that's extremely versatile and powerful. It also works super fast, at least compared to a human. It's crazy. I'm sure you experienced this. It writes super good English and actually okay Swedish as well. And it understands quite complicated arguments in GPT-3. And it has access to vast, vast uh, uh, data set, basically everything on the internet, uh, Wikipedia, all books crammed into it. Some limitations of GPT-3. So it can only work with text as input and output. It can maximum handle 3,000 words, roughly, as input and output combined. It has a clear cognitive ceiling. And with this, I mean, like, if you ask to complicated things of GPT-3, it's going to hit the wall. And the training data cuts off in 2021. It has no access to real-time data. GPT-3 can't take any actions and answers uh, kind of sometimes it uh, it doesn't say stuff that's true. For example, if you ask of distance between two cities, it confidently answers something that's absolutely wrong. Uh, this is called hallucinations and it's it's a rather really really big problem. Okay, now I'm sure some of you are frustrated because this is ancient what i just showed you it was true in november but since then time has passed so and now we're in we're in we're in uh, we're actually in april and a, a lot has happened and of these seven limitations that i mentioned six of them have been radically changed so gpt3 came, gpt3 was the one before gpt4 came in march it can take text or images as input it can handle, the, the limit was 3,000 words before. Now with GPT-4, it's 25,000 words. That's a lot of context you can give it. And it also has a much higher cognitive ceiling. Uh, the way I like to illustrate the cognitive ceiling race is if they let GPT-3 do the bar exam, and it was better than 10% of students. That's quite impressive. GPT-3 was better than 10%. Of students that studied the whole education for the bar exam, 10%. But then GPT-3 is better than 90%. Starting to get crazy scary. Good, uh, and people talk about artificial general intelligence. I think GPT-4 it could, should be viewed as kind of proto intelli- art- artificial intelligence. Artificial general intelligence. It also has a lot less hallucinations. And. In combination with with uh, GPT four, there was right after that was also uh, Chat GPT plugins uh, were added. So here, the chat, the chat GPT can fetch information from internet, work together with other apps, it can take action with other apps, and so so out of these seven limitations, Chat GPT with GPT four and Chat GPT plugins has erased uh, or erased or radically reduced. Uh, six out of seven of the limitations. I think that's really impressive. Uh, and then this is not just ChatGPT, but there's a lot of other stuff happening as well. And one example I wanted to show you on how smart GPT-4 is, I just want. I think this is super cool. It's from a guy called Daniel Feldman. He posted it on Twitter. So he says like this: I'm in my house. On top of my chair is in the living room is a coffee cup. Inside the coffee cup is a thimble. Inside the thimble is a diamond. I move the chair to my bedroom. Then I put the coffee cup on the bed. Then I turn the cup upside down. Then I return it right side up. It placed the coffee cup in the kitchen counter. Where is my diamond? If you ask this to to GPT-3, it has no idea. But GPT-4 says, when you turn the coffee cup upside down on your bed, the diamond inside would likely have fallen out. It's now on your bed. So it has somehow in all this training, it has a a really good conceptual understanding, not only of a lot of fact, but also of the world. So you can really benefit from this. Uh, Throw it anything and it, it will probably be really helpful. Okay, moving on. Uh this is now uh, we, I talked about GPT, uh, ChatGPT plugins that's added in the OpenAI ChatGPT. I'm sure you've also seen Microsoft uh, Copilot that they launched. Uh they are using GPT-4 in the background, but they are using it to interact with the different parts of the the office uh, uh the office suite. And so you can ask it to pull up a new graph in, in, in Excel or make some slides in PowerPoint or draft a response in, um, in Outlook or, or write something for you in Word. Super powerful stuff. So all of this is, is meaning that GPT-4 is no longer locked in the, in the box, but it has contact with the world via a lot of other apps and can take action. And since then, a lot, a lot, a lot of more proliferation of these different types of tools have, have come. So I'm sure you've, uh, you've seen the, the news being uh, bombarded with this. Uh, One thing I think is a a multimodal. I guess this is a little bit corny, but I wanted to add it anyway. So this is my girlfriend. I wanted to use the mid journey and I sent to her. This is her as an elf, her in steampunk gear at Burning Man. This is her uh, as Catwoman. You see, I just said, take this picture and make it as an elf. Or, or, or these things and, and that's basically multimodality so you can now give it images and text and it will get it will get you this thing back this is actually mid journey four since then mid since then mid five has come it's even more powerful but it just it goes to show how you can use different combinations of media even more fru- fluidly and since then there's also come, come something called hugging uh hugging GPT that can in- integrate with a lot of other models to get multimodal work done Cool. Uh, suffice to say the AI showdown has started. So Microsoft has gone in really strong in the first round here with investing first $1 billion and then $10 billion in Open AI and then introducing this in, in Bing and Outlook and everything to make a really strong stand against google that was supposedly the ai leader before but now they issued this code red when chatgpt came they have launched bard they are they are like sergey brin did the first uh, code commit in many years and his code commit was to give a lot of developers access to bard so they can start developing uh competing stuff and uh, Microsoft and Google are the ones that are kind of most publicity around them, but everybody's piling on here. Uh, both are, are, are all the big players, but also a lot of small players. And uh, OpenAI has a big kind of uh, platform competitor in Anthropic that is also releasing big, big models. So the, the world is moving really fast. And then the showdown is just kind of the ChatGPT was like the starting shot being fired. And now everything is off of the races. Cool. So now if we take, a, if this was an introduction to what's going on in the kind of AI world, now we focus in on you guys. You are product managers. You, if I'll put it like this, if you are working with a product that in some way uh, works with text, you really need to think about this. Uh, so uh, the way I try to think about splitting out the ways that AI can be helpful is generative AI, evaluative AI, and interactive AI. In a way, uh, these are ways you can leverage these this large language models that GPT uh, family is based on, but all the other, many others are based on this as well. This is where the revolution came. So, the first one, generative AI, it's, it's sometimes also referred to as completions. It's like when the user wants to write the text or actually any other content with this multimodality, AI can help the user create that content. So, if you have users in your product that produce some kind of text or content, you should really consider whether they should be doing that or whether AI should be doing it for them and they should just uh, revise or approve. Uh, the second one is evaluative AI. It's like when the user wants to kind of search, categorize, or kind of assess some kind of content and come up to some kind of conclusion or fetch some kind of information, an AI can do that instead, kind of interpret it and evaluate the content. Uh, so that's a really big use case that's also uh, valuable. So if, if, if you ever have users that want to um, want to, to to get some kind of get some information out, AI yeah, should do it. And then the the third category here is what I call interactive AI. It's kind of uh, uh, um, exemplified with Copilot. So when the user wants to do things in the product, or actually across your product and other products, they can really uh, leverage this uh, by just chatting with an AI and letting the AI take actions. Uh, the, 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 this, these models are super good at interacting with APIs. So if you set it up properly, you can really leverage that uh, in a similar way that Microsoft did with their Copilot. You could do a Copilot for your product. Okay, I just wanted to take one example. Uh, Uh, of kind of the first chunk here, kind of generative AI, how to think about that to make your own uh, product better. So here you have your user, your product, and then you have some kind of AI model. So the first thing you need is you need some kind of interface for the user where they can add input. They add some input. Then it's up to you to be smart about how do you turn the input that the user provided into a really good comprehensive prompt that ensures that the AI works on the right stuff, because you know a lot of stuff that the user maybe doesn't know. So for you to extend and build a more sophisticated prompt will get a lot better answer than just putting what the user wrote in. So I really suggest you start to think about this, how can you kind of augment the questions that they ask to, to, to build better prompts. Then you send this prompt to the AI, model maybe it's just a plain model or maybe you fine tune the model it's a lot easier than than many people think Uh, and then you get back uh, an answer it's like a text chunk that you you get back Uh, and then you need to kind of kind of reformat that text chunk and then show it to the user and then the user gets it back and looks at it and either they say "Ah, this is great this is what i wanted or maybe they give some feedback and you have it another cycle uh, this basically means that whenever the user wants to create some input uh, or sorry, create some content or text, they just say, what is the thing I want to do? And they get it and they're happy and they shortcut the whole process of, of creating it. And because you, because you are such domain experts in your product, you will be able to really, really make it much better experience than then going to, to chat GPT to try to do it on their, their own. It will be by doing it like this. You will integrate it into your product, which will make it a smoother flow, and you will also add a lot of knowledge that you have, that will make the answer much better. So it will be better and faster than ChatGPT by making it in your product. Okay, cool. Uh, so now, briefly, kind of, and as an example of how this can be done, I'll, I'll take my own product, Deliver. So I'm I'm a, I'm the kind of guy that always lives a little bit in the future uh on things like for me it's strange that we don't have 3d printed houses by now i thought like for 10 years i've thought like when do we have this and i studied ai uh 20 years ago in my engineering studies and since then i've always been continually disappointed but when this came i was like complete shock and i was walking around with kind of future vertical i still do but after and the only thing i talked to with everybody i met was uh, the latest AI revolution. I still do, my, my girlfriend think I'm super no, super annoying because this is, uh, as you can imagine, the only thing I talk and think about. But then one one kind of night, I just woke up. This is how we're gonna integrate it into Deliber. First on context, what is Deliber? So Deliber is a tool for product managers. It's basically a workflow tool. So we help PMs kind of from the point where they collect different feedback, either requests or interviews, structure that uh, feedback into kind of trees, and then, kind of, use the, whenever you start to think about the solution, we have a, we have PMs write good good feature documents where we have decision support and we have integrations with the other tools they use, and and then they kind of uh, as they continually refine the features, they also kind of go into some kind of. Prioritization. What are we going to do? And then into planning. And then we also have an integration with Jira. So we kind of from insight into all, all the way work into to kind of hand it over to the developers with Jira tickets. That's kind of scope of our product and what we do. Uh, and then the next, the next thing that was like, what can we do here? Yeah, you can see a hint already. The robot coming in. And so the first thing that that uh, uh, that we, we implemented that has been really really powerful is uh, this thing: auto-generated PRDs. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. So the first thing we had was uh, we had like dynamic templates where you, you wanna write the PRD, you get a dynamic template and you can kind of add the different items you want and you get a little placeholders and some help, some scaffolding to think about it, but have some flexibility. But now you also have the opportunity of just skipping the template just press the robot button and let the AI assistant write it for you. And then you just say, what is the name of the feature I'm going to do? And then kind of, what, how am I thinking about this? And then what we do, same, same as the one I showed you here, then we take this, we build a really extensive prompt. And then we have like a model that we worked with to generate and get a response that we then format and then create the PRD. And when people see this, they, the normal reaction is something like, whoa, you just created in a minute the thing that took me three hours to do last week. So, it, the, the, and I think, to be honest, that if that's true, then you are an okay product manager. <laughs> if you're a great product manager, you will still say, wow, this is a super good start for a PRD but, uh, but but but, but, but it's it's really fascinating how the how the model can create not only not only a template but fill it up with with relevant stuff, like thinking about uh, relevant use cases, coming up with user stories and slicing that is not unreasonable uh, and really be thought provoking It's crazy. So that's the first thing we did, and it it shows uh, as an example that you can probably do something similar to this in your product. And then, of course, there's a bunch of other stuff you can you you or we you we are doing so. You can already add add a bunch of different items that are relevant to your PRD, uh, just injecting parts. Another thing that's helpful that that already exists is uh, a lot of PMs, they write the PRD and then an executive comes and asks, oh, I can't read the whole PRD. What's the summary? Now you can just go deliver AI, executive summary. Boom, you have a summary of your PRD. You can hand it to the, to the executive. You just shortcut to that. Similar thing with help center article, release notes, marketing brief and so forth. So it's uh, super powerful because one thing that GPT uh, 4 now is really good at is turning some content and rewriting it on a different format and and injecting some thinking on it on top of that as well. And then, of course, there's a lot of kind of giving feedback on what you did. So doing something and asking how was this is super helpful. Uh, uh, Summarizing stuff, extracting, you get it. And there are a lot more to come. I, I, I don't want to bore you with what we're doing, but we're so excited about this. Then... Taking Now we, we talked about concretely what this can mean for product managers. Now I'm going to go back and take a really big step back into kind of where what's going on, where are we, uh, how to understand this AI revolution at the higher level. And so what's happening to me, what's happening right now, the best way to think about it is to think about it like, you know, the move from oil paintings to photography, that was a really big shift. I think what's happening now is the same, but for intelligence. And so basically, before the oil paintings, you had to painstakingly do it to make an oil painting. With the photography, you could just take a snap. Now, whenever it's about creating content, evaluating content, as well as doing different type of actions, it's increasingly something that just an AI can just do. If you can define it clearly, you can just have it done so that's that's incredibly uh disruptive <laughs> if there's any the disruption is a it's like a buzzword but i think this is truly disruptive okay how can businesses relate to this so as an old strategy consultant i'm sure you you, you can figure out i thought about this and i'm also doing doing a bunch of uh kind of strategy gigs related to this uh, adjacent uh because it's just so hot a topic right now. And so one 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 thing I start with when I talk to, to, to kind of management teams about think about it, I think there are two things that companies need to do. The first thing is to really make sure they take part of this productivity increase. And the other one is meeting the market, or meeting the new market, actually. So taking part of the productivity increase, one thing is to kind of provide the right tools to your employees, making sure that they get chat gpt if they haven't got it uh, uh or some other you, you you can you can if you're afraid of getting them access to proprietary sending data then you can have like a, a model that you run yourself and, and, and cap it but make sure that they get the right tools both the general tools and the specific tools for their workflow uh train and coach their employees about how to do this uh, is super super critical as well a lot of a lot of people in your in organizations they walk around and they manually write a bit bunch of content shouldn't be done anymore you should just generate it revise it and go and then the 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 next thing is like evaluating things they shouldn't they should get a lot of help like that and then the, so the third thing about, about uh, doing the productivity uh, increase is kind of reviewing your processes, like looking through do like an inventory, all the things you're doing in your company, what of this could an AI do, and then go after that. And together, these things will amount to a massive productivity increase. Okay. So the other half of this then is kind of meeting the market because this is just changing the company and making you a lot more effective. But the other one is kind of saying, okay, if we are now so much faster and better, what can we do? Not just to do it cheaper, but do it better. Can we add more value to our customers? Can we help them in more ways and so forth? And then the the the, the other one is to kind of understand the elasticity curve. Now I'm not sure I'm sure you studied a little bit of economics, but you know how you have the market supply and demand, there's elasticity. And uh, and here, like, you don't know if it's something like, uh, uh, let me take an inelastic example, it's like drawings for summer homes, uh, like architectural drawings for summer homes. That's not, if like, if, if that is now 10 times as effective to do, people won't build 10 times as many uh, summer homes. So what's gonna happen is that 90% of the people that are only now drawing, family, drawing kind of summer homes, they're not gonna be doing that in a while. Uh, so you need to figure out as a company, what of the things that you will now be much more effective at is gonna be much more demanded. I think like doctors, everybody wants to go more to the doctor to figure out, get more health. Psychologists, the same. Uh, Uh, coding is for sure the same, Uh, customer support, I think is also something that's gonna get hit, but figuring this out and having a holistic way to think about it as a business is gonna be really relevant. And for you as a PM, it's good to have like the business mindset. Okay, then being much more concrete now, uh, drilling into this first point of like uh, being productive and kind of teaching how to do this, I think prompt engineering is a buzzword, but it's also really good for you to know. Basically, prompt engineering is kind of how you work to write these prompts to the GPT to get good answers. In a way, it's like, the better questions you, you answer, you ask, the better prompt you do, the quality of your output is going to be uh, much better or worse. It's exactly like talking to a human. If you give a human uh, a, a good task, you're going to get the good answer. If you just do it vaguely to someone, give them a vague task, you're going to get much less stuff back. So this is something you need to get good at. Uh, some uh, so, Some kind of prompt engineering approaches that I've seen work really well. So one thing is, kind of background situation and problem. What, what kind of, where are we uh, and what do we want to achieve? Second one, information. This is new because GPT-4 has, twenty. remember 25,000 words. It's insane. That means you can just pile on documents, email correspondence. You can give it a lot of stuff to, to, to give it more information that it will allow it to make a better conclusion. Uh, articulating the goal. Like what am I, what am I trying to get out? What, what do I want to get out of it? What, what's the desired reaction I want? Or however you want to phrase the goal. Also something that's a little bit interesting and super weird that you wouldn't expect from a normal computer, but this, these AIs are not like normal computers flavor. I call it. It's basically pretend to be right in the style of a, uh, now you are you are super good. If you write you are super smart, that changes the, the, the response you get. Uh, so think about the flavor, also format. How do you want it? Do you want how long, short do you want? Do you want tables? Do you want links? What do you want? Uh, also, really good approaches to, to prompt engineering. And then lastly, iteration. Be, be mindful that uh, if you do um, the first one, it's just like, give me an outline. Then you can give feedback on the outline a couple of iterations. Then you go draft and then give feedback on it. Then you will get, kind of progressively move to a better response. And also, as you work with this, uh, do templates. Uh, if you find something that's really useful, make a template of it and use it many times. It's super like this is. Uh, if, if, if you if you had a, a good way to do something you can just reuse it and it's and it's then you're all of a sudden you're super fast at doing something you do a lot of times. Uh, example now. so uh, so look, look, this is one I did like Uh, The prompt, pretend that you are the founder of a company developing an app that helps users get sunscreen based uh, on a photo of their skin. Write a letter to investors to persuade them to invest in your company in the style of Hemingway. This is the flavor. I love Hemingway because he was super short and to the point. And so if you want to get away from verbose answers... Uh, it's a hint for you to use the Hemingway style, I like it, and then like make it a one page letter with a brief concise sentences focusing on the main message, stuff like this, uh, then you get dear investors, and you get, yeah, this is quite a good, good email, uh, but now prompt engineering example two, this is like a little bit of inception uh, on you, because what I did was, this is, these are some things I want to include, I'm giving a talk about AI and chat GPT. Give me a good prompt. And then uh, this is how I got. So I didn't write this prompt example. I just gave the prompt to write the prompt example. Uh, Remember, cheat as much as possible. That's my new mantra to everybody. If you're doing something, think about should you really do it? There's a a new way to do things. And that's to not do it, but do it only at the meta level. I really, really encourage you to try to, whenever you have a task, think about whether you have to do it or whether the GPT can do it for you. Uh, cool. Uh, also, one kind of caution I think, like, now what's happening is we are nearing AGI or this artificial general intelligence. We're already to some definition in artificial general intelligence. Something is called artificial general super intelligence when, when the AI is much smarter than all of us. This is really disruptive. There's a there's a open letter by the Future of Life Institute. Uh, uh it says like. Who's giant AI experience, open letter. Uh, like, like you hear, I'm super excited about where, where it is now, but I'm also concerned about going much further. So the, this, the, if you look at this, it's like a, uh, uh, an open letter to halt uh, uh, development of much bigger models. I don't think humanity is really ready for much, much better models. Already this that's here now is going to be like, the industrial revolution and electricity and the internet coming at us at the same time this will be enormously disruptive and so so um yeah I, I encourage you to take a look at this and have a think about it uh i love it in the short term but i think in the, in the longer term it's going to be really really disruptive and important for us as like a society to think what do we want to do here and not just let it happen because uh, it could go wrong uh that's that's enough uh, pull, I guess it's somewhat controversial. So I'll, I'll, I'll shut up on this one now. Cool. Thank you so much. Uh, if you like this, please don't hesitate to uh, get early access to the Liber. Connect with me on LinkedIn, get my book, Epic Alignment. Uh, uh, and also, I should say, uh, I had a, a discussion with Georgina. So the, we are now uh, with the are we're, we, we're in a situation where we're getting too many requests. And so we're trying to uh, handle that and filter. So you as Pragmatic Institute uh, people, you will have like a a special uh, link that will get you. I prepared a Google form for you that will come out with mail. Uh, Eugenia, help me here now. This is only for the people that have gone the course or, or what is it?
1: Yes. Yes. So we are all. So first, I'll answer a quick question for everyone who is anxious to know. Yes, this is being recorded, and you will all receive a recording of this in your inbox in the in the next coming days. Um, pragmatic alumni are also going to be offered this early access to come in and kind of play around with Deliver AI. So that is also something uh, that you will um, receive in your inbox, um, and is and is an awesome perk because uh, Niels is being modest, but he's going to uh let pragmatic alum jump to the, the head of the line, so to speak, or get on the fast track. So um, we're really excited about that. Uh, right now, I can see that we already have a ton of really fabulous questions in the Q&A box. Um, so if you have other questions, um, please put them in there. Now is the right time. Um, and we're going to chew through some of these questions here. Cool.
2: So so you told me to also show this before we go into the questions. So I like to do that and
1: then we go to the questions. Is that correct? That would be perfect. Yes, that'll give folks to, um, a moment to uh, offer uh, some questions and ideas in the chat and in the QA. All right, now jumping into some questions. Um, there's a really big trend that I've seen in the questions and in the tra- chat, Niels. Thinking about IP issues with ChatGPT, right? A couple of yeah. folks have mentioned the, the snafu with Samsung, um, employees putting some uh, some IP and some sensitive information into ChatGPT. And of course, the info you put in there, it learns from, and, and there's a risk that it'll spit it out elsewhere. Do you have some thoughts or some ideas to offer folks that want to use this professionally and for their business and how they can navigate IP issues?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah so, so so I think that's a super good question I think the there there are kind of different levels of this uh one is where you don't really care at all if this is not sensitive then you can just go ahead and use ChatGPT as normal uh the second is if you you're a little you're you're sensitive about stuff but you trust OpenAI with what they're saying and what their legal of what their legal um kind of uh, contract says terms and conditions and so Already now, if you are a paying customer—not if you're a free customer—but if you're a paying customer, if you if you use ChatGPT Plus, uh, that you cost twenty dollars a month, I think, uh, then they promise that they are not going to use anything that you send in there to train their models, and they're going to remove it and, and not have you know, remove it from their servers within 30 days of you removing it. So, so. Uh, so, so, so if you trust them, then ChatGPT plus should be possible to do. And then similarly, if you use their API, if you're a paying customer of the API, they don't use that for training as well. As per their terms and conditions. So, so that's kind of the second level. If you trust what they're doing, at Deliver that's what we're doing. We're trusting that OpenAI uh, kind of holds to their uh, their deal. So we, we're paying customers, and then we trust that they don't use it for their models because that's what they're promising not to do. And then, of course, if you are if you, you're at the level where you're don't believe that the, that they uh, do what they're saying and, and they, they're going to steal your stuff anyway, then I think uh, th- there are options where you can use the, the kind of models in-house and, and you won't be able to have GPT-4, but there are other models that you can run on your own on-prems, but it's much more complicated setup and so forth. So I would really encourage you to try to convince the organizations around you to give you access to the paid version uh, and, then, and then go from there. Mm-hmm.
1: Are there any arguments that you would, um, or maybe not arguments, but uh, reasons um, that you might encourage people to use where the, the product folks on this call are, are fans of using this tool, they want to use it to accelerate their work, but their stakeholders are nervous or, um, or resistant, how would you recommend they advocate internally to have better access to this tool?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's super easy. I mean, this is so, so, so new. So yes. frankly, if you want to get access to this good, this type of really, really good models uh, without having a cumbersome setup, uh, it's hard to do, but you, you can pursue, I would pursue two routes in parallel. One route is to try to have a di- dialogue with your legal and compliance folks at the company to say, look, this, this is what it says in terms of compliance. If we 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 need to, to be able to trust this, right? Because there's a huge value at stake for us of being able to use this and then the other route that you could pursue in parallel is to look at the the models that you can have running on your own server and there because there are there are gpt similar models that you could run uh, on a computer and if you do that then obviously you won't share any data with uh, with with anybody else so so there there are the two ways to to go about it i would say mm-hmm.
1: Uh, This is a a really interesting question that I think you might be really excited to to chew on as well, Niels. Um, Mm -hmm. We have someone here who is really, really excited about this kind of work and is thinking, you know, how do I get a job that is really integrated with ChatGPT, right? How do I get a job that has ChatGPT manager or prompt engineer or something like that in the title? What's coming? What should people look for and how do they set themselves up for a career path in that area? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Frankly, I think uh, I think that will
2: be automatic. I don't think that well, you, you could you could have something. I want to be a prompt engineer. and I guess because I guess well well, if you go if you go back to where, where's the slides here? If we go back to what companies can be doing, uh, I guess one thing you could really pursue is to be like a coach. because when I talk with uh, with management teams, uh, what I tell them to do is to set up a small team within their company that goes around the organization and coach people on how to use uh, tools and both specific and general tools. Uh, so, so, uh, so that's I guess that's one type of job that will exist, and to be like a, a I guess prompt engineering coach, and and to get there. Uh, I, I would just suggest you immerse yourself in the in the in the w- what's happening and try try it out a lot and kind of live and breathe. This is such a new field, so the only way to get about it is to be somewhat of an entrepreneur and try to drive it. Uh, the, the other the other thing I think is, which is kind of the, a more maybe a more boring answer, is I think everybody's going to be like this. I think it's not going to be like it's not going to be like you have somebody who works with customer support on somebody who works with customer support for uh, for AI with AI. I think everybody's going to work with customer support with AI. Uh, and this is of course true for all the PMs as well. Like I don't think there's going to be like a, a PM that doesn't at all work with AI because I think if you're a product manager and any part of your application involves <laughs> look at this. In either your uh, your customers generating any type of uh, content or your customers evaluating any type of content, or your customers interacting in some way within your app or, 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 or otherwise, <laughs> then you should really go for go for AI. So I think, and I don't think I don't think there are many product managers that don't have the users wanting to do any of these three things. Then I think you should really have another think about it. So if you're already in product management, I think you can really really go for this and then become the expert by doing it because this is such a new field. That's my main advice.
1: Mm hmm. So it's it's interesting to think that it might become a skill set like you're a really great communicator in comparison to a, a skill or ability like I know how to code Python, exactly. Right. Um, everyone's going to have to do it. It's just how good are you at that aspect?
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: At it? Yeah, I think that's a really smart answer. Uh, We have another trend of a couple questions that have been asked around, you know, I really want to integrate ChatGPT 3 or 4 into my work now, but oh my gosh, I'm looking from November to March, we've already upgraded to something new. How do I use this tool without risking that by time I get it up and running, it's already obsolete in my product? How do you um, navigate that breakneck speed of development?
2: Yeah, super good, super good question. I actually, I, actually, I was more worried about this uh, in the early phases. I think, I think right now the format that uh, OpenAI has set for this uh, this uh, type of interaction is uh, it's already becoming a little bit stable. And when you think about what it is you're you're asking, uh, or kind of how you integrate with it, the integration itself is extremely rudimentary. I mean if I over if I oversimplify the 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 OpenAI API is just you say this is the beginning of something or like this is my this is my this is what I say what do you say this is what you do <laughs> And so so it's just like a chat and then and then so and you could then you could switch it out to any other uh, uh, large language model and if they change their API, maybe it's going to be a little bit different but not so different. So mm-hmm. if you if you dig into the API and dig into the APIs, I'm, I'm sure you're going to see that that even if they do a little bit of tweaking, it's not going to be huge and then you're going to quickly going to be able to, to change along with it and also open AI, I mean they have a huge incentive to not mess about with people because they want to be a supplier of this api and so they have a really really incentives to be uh like a good the steward of the customer if you know what i mean
1: yes yes i do uh a little bit of a pivot of a question um starting to think about a, a kind of the emotional or social dynamic context of using yeah. chat at work right yeah. so we've yeah. got one We've got one question asker who is saying that, you know, some of the more senior, um, very experienced members that they of the team that they work with, people that have very long tenures in the workforce, um, feel that, you know, if you're using ChatGPT to write a post or to write your requirements, it means that you're not good enough to do it yourself. Um, we have other people that feel that they want to take your advice to the new way of doing things is to not do it and to cheat as much as possible, right? Yeah. They, do, they do feel a little icky about that right they feel like it's not their work they feel like they're plagiarizing um so as we're dealing with those kind of emotional dynamics personally and also trying to communicate them with others who might have you know a little bit of a, of a perspective on on using that how do you how do you think about that and how do you talk about that
2: yeah 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 i th- i think uh, i think actually i have two i my, my... My main approach to this is kind of the proof is in the pudding. Uh, and so what, what I think, what I think the way the way to convince these people is to um like what, like for me personally, I have a principle that I never lie. It's like I have I have not lied anything. I have like a little bit of Asperger, maybe so I haven't said anything that's syntactically untrue for maybe for 10 years or more. Uh, but for me to be able to w- w- maintain this, I-, I-, I can say something that's not true, but then I have 30 seconds to take it back. Oh, sorry, sorry, I just said that this is not true. Actually, it's like, you know what I mean? Uh, and I think for you, you can give yourself a little bit of time space where you're not entirely transparent, uh, showing people who are who don't think you should use GPT-4 uh, or whatever, this is, look, This what does the, how does this look? And they look at it and are like, yeah, this is great. And then you go like, you know what? This was made by, well, you can wait. You give them three things and then you go, actually, these three things, they were made by, And so you can be like, allow yourself a window where you say like, I'm going to be sneaky for one or two weeks. Like I have one one example is like, I I worked with a, a researcher who had to write this kind of research summary stuff dpt4 is amazing at the research papers so uh he had written an abstract and then i said no you know you know literature research this is how you do it and you get like and then and, and ChatGPT dpt made amazing literature research amazing amazing annotations an amazing kind of summary in the kind of formal way you have to write it if you're an academic and it's like like wow this would have taken me a week to do uh can i show this and, we, and then we agreed that he was going to show it first And then say, by the way, this was generated. And also, I have have a friend who's still at McKinsey, uh, or well, one of of my friends who's still there, uh, he used it with his teams. Like for every team meeting, he would come in and have like, actually, have you thought about this and this and this? And his teams were like completely blown away because he would come with so much perspective. Uh, And then after a while, he said, actually, this is how I did it. You should do it too. And so I think I think you should really kind of a way to sneak and introduce it is to yeah do it a little bit like that. I don't know if that's a, a little tricky. a little bit
1: of a gotcha moment. Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay. Very, good. Very well put. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I feel like I have I've probably seen someone do something similar, like look at this great blog post. And at the bottom of the blog post, by the way, this was all written by AI. You should start using it, too.
2: Yeah, exactly, and I don't think I I don't think it's gonna be all written by AI. It's gonna be uh-huh. a little bit of iteration. Like mm-hmm. you do a draft, think about it, do some tweaks, give you some feedback, get it back, and then do final edits, and then it's gonna be good to go. But you'll save a lot of time. But uh, yeah, you get it. You get it.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Really, I think that's a really good answer. I think that's helpful. Thank you. Um, another question about different types of of. AI models and different spaces to access the benefits of AI, right? So someone is asking, are there different times, are there different use cases where you might choose ChatGPT versus BARD versus Bing, or you'd go to different places, Mm. different models. um, Now that we have kind of um, a quorum of competitors, are are different tools better for different things or are we all just more personal preference?
2: Yeah, yeah. First, first like uh, f- now, I'm, I'm being kind of formalistic. I think uh, Chat GPT is the the kind of chat app, and I think when you integrate it with the product, it's going to be GPT uh, three or four. And for sure, you should aim for four and get in line to get a, a GPT four API access if you haven't got it. So then, but then the question is kind of, uh, should you use GPT four or some other uh, type of tool? Mm-hmm. And what are they good for and here actually I think the pragmatic answer is right now GPT4 is by far the best and so don't bother if, if you if you can stomach their terms and conditions and trust them don't bother too much as long as it's about uh, writing or evaluating and thinking about text you can use GPT uh, three or four, uh, I guess if you want embeddings, I don't think that's available for four yet, but, uh, so, so, so you, then you can really go with the open AI and then have your, your eyes open for when, when the other ones introduce Anthropic as has Claude, I guess that's could be quite good, but, but if, if you want to start out, I would really encourage you to, to go with the, with the, with open AI first and then, then kind of diverge once you get there. Yeah. and and of course there are other models like for generating images. Then Mid Journey might be the best one, and because I don't think Dalle is so good. Uh, so, okay. but, but if it's about kind of interpreting or generating text, uh, then I think really, really, really GPT four is the best.
1: Okay. Uh, next question I have for you is uh, I I have not seen a question in a while that has been so quintessentially a product manager's question. Cool. Uh, and a very uh, pragmatic methodology based question as well so i like it um how do you see the willingness of the market to pay for advanced features that are powered by gpt or ai at this point in the maturity curve right so how you know do you think it's do you think there's a high willingness to pay for people to say this is the base tool and if you want the premium tier that has gpt in it where do you think that willingness to pay is today I'm not going to have a good
2: answer here. I think my answer is like this. We don't know. Uh, this is so new. And so I don't think, you know, like uh, when I was at uh, McKinsey and we did pricing studies, there was this kind of framework called structure, conduct, and performance. And it basically said that the way pricing works is based on the structure of the market, like how many players are there, big and small, what's the relationship and kind of what substitutes and so forth. Conduct how are people behaving around this? And that will then result in the performance and kind of profitability of the companies in the market. And generally, if you have a structure with a lot of players that are competing fiercely, the conduct is going to be that they undercut each other, and the performance is going to be low profitability versus structure where you have few big big players, they're going to be less price uh, kind of cutting, and then they're going to have higher margins. But it's not always the case. Sometimes you have fierce competition with few players and vice versa. So, so, and I think that the conduct around this is completely unknown uh, but generally I would say like if you are in a situation where you have a very niche uh, product where you can we can extract uh, premium pricing, you will probably be able to do so in the future as well, and add add that to your premium features. And uh, if if you're under price pressure, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna kind of align roughly with the other uh, pricing aspects of what we do, but but I don't know. I mean, it's completely unknown. We we have been experimenting with uh, with kind of adding a, a kind of depending on how much ai features you use you kind of use it on the mid like on a tap but 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 then it's right now frankly it's so cheap like the, it's crazy cheap the pricing they have they OpenAI so we never we haven't seen like if you compare the kind of AI consumption versus pricing it's it's cost nothing so so you don't have to 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 include that meter either uh, yeah so so I, I don't know I think my main answer is is it's too early to tell but it's <laughs> probably going to follow the general uh, kind of uh, style of pricing for your for your industry in in general
1: hmm I think that's a I think that's a smart answer. It's very interesting right now. It's almost as if there's a great leveling in terms of the big players and the smaller players that yeah. are coming into the space because there's no historical precedent. It's brand new for everybody. Everybody's yes. experimenting. So it's an interesting leveling in the business world and in the product world, certainly. Yeah, yeah.
2: And on that, I like when when Microsoft released their co-pilot uh of chatting with the with stuff, I was I was like, we just have to go home now. <laughs> we're out. But yes. then uh, uh, OpenAI released ChatGPT plugins, uh, mm-hmm. and that take, basically saying, we're going to make this type of co pilot available for everybody. <laughs> and then I was super excited because my co pilot for PMs is going to be way better for PMs than Microsoft's whatever co-pilot general because we're going to be, and that's going to be true for all SaaS companies. Like your your kind of specific co-pilot is going to be so much better than the general ones. So I agree, I agree with you. It's going to be crazy leveling now where companies can become really good at, at one area and then they can tailor the AI to that. It's going to be, it's going to be super cool to see what happens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we also have someone that is interested in integrating or I think, I think we have a lot of people uh, that are interested in this but one asking about it who's interested in integrating AI and ChatGPT into their product today and is yep. asking about the the scope of pricing costs for integrating these types of technologies into a product. Um so as someone who who is running and owning a product how how do you Map out the costs of what it might be for you. Again, because we're in this kind of unknown area of of how much how much is it going to cost to kind of introduce into your product as a feature. Yeah,
2: super good question. So, so I I'll I'll, I'll divide it in two. One is the kind of costing of the AI, and then the other one is kind of how do you, how can can you do it. And so I think the costing. Uh, I mean, I come back to my answer previously. So. It's crazy cheap and it's also very transparent. You can look at OpenAI's homepage and the pricing they have, and you learn a little bit about what tokens mean and you do a little bit of token calculation, how much consumption you think you're gonna have. I think you quite quickly come to quite a good idea of what it is gonna be like. And then if you're afraid that OpenAI is gonna kind of turn up the prices a lot once people go dependent on them, then I think you can actually rest assured that. A lot of other players are piling in. And so if they ramp up their prices, you you can switch uh, because the APIs are going to be really simple. So you can just switch to to another provider and they're going to be low cost. Uh, Maybe not exactly as good answers that you get from the prompts, but almost. So I I think you can do a quite good calculation. And I think in general, you'll find that it's going to be crazy cheap. The second one is kind of how you do it. Uh, and then I, th- I, I really encourage you, if you're interested in integrating with ChatGPT specifically, I, I encourage you to get in line for the ChatGPT plugins. Uh, it's a super cool way. I, th- I think I of it as kind of, even if you may want to have your co-pilot yourself down the line, I think a good way to experiment and get towards that and kind of understand what it means to work with the. Chat working with your with your product. I think the, the chat TPT plugins will be a super good way to start. And what 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 the general thing that we made it is that they have something called manifest files, which is basically a very simple API description. And based on that, uh, the 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 AI can just interact with your API and do a bunch of stuff in your app and understand what's what's gonna happen. So super cool. I encourage you to, to get on the list to try it out. We have. <laughs>
1: Uh, pivoting a little bit away from the business of using ChatGPT in your product, um, asking some questions here about getting getting ChatGPT to give you an answer um, that's in a particular format is. Do you know a way to do that? For example, yes. you know, I want you, I want you, ChatGPT, to give me a flowchart, or I want yes. you to give me these answers in a template.
2: Yes. So, so, so I, the super good question and really relevant and it shows that you're thinking about it the right way, because unless it delivers like this, then that won't matter. So, but I actually think like, uh, I found, uh, GPT to be very, very flexible. And like, you can basically say, Hey, this is what I want. This is some input I have. This is what I want to achieve. I want you to reply to me in exactly this format. And Mm -hmm. then you define the format and the weird thing is you can define it however you like and it's like you talk to a human being and they're gonna gpt4 is gonna pick it up pretty well and then figure out how how you want it and then you can do a little bit of experiments but quite quickly you'll figure out that you can get really good uh, really good uh, answer on exactly the format you like gpt4 is crazy good at replying on a on a specific format and then the next level if that kind of uh, specifying the format in the prompt is is doesn't get you all the way. Then you can work with something called fine tuning, which is where you give additional data to the model, saying you rep- when I got when I ask for this, I want a reply that looks like this. And then if you do it if you do it like that, then uh, then it's going to be uh, really going to work really well. So th- those are two, two two ways to to do it. But I, I really encourage you to try the prompt uh, route first because it's much easier and it typically works crazy well.
1: Okay. OK, um, you know, when I asked the original icebreaker question at the beginning of this session, a, f- a fair number of folks said, you know, I actually I don't have a favorite use case. I haven't used it very much yet. And I think now by the end of this session, um, we've probably we've probably converted uh, everyone who hadn't played around with it so far is is going to go do that right now. As soon as we wrap up. Um, yeah, go do um, it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. I have one final question for you to wrap up um, our session together. And that is, I've got a couple people asking, how can one obtain your level of energy and passion and knowledge? Um, So not not really a um, little bit of a rhetorical question there, but I must say, I certainly agree. I would also like to know how one acquires your level of energy and passion. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I don't uh, no, no, no. thank you thank you so much for the compliment i guess it's just like work with stuff you really love then i think you're you're, you're i think then that's the biggest uh, the biggest component because uh like you can tell i'm super passionate about this and i think it's so cool what's happening
1: Yes, I totally agree. This has been a wonderful session, Niels. Thank you so much for joining us. Folks that are on the line with us here, uh, connect with Niels on LinkedIn, um, get his book, check out Deliver, um, and as always, um, there are a number of questions we didn't get to, uh, but we can always answer them in Pragmatic's alumni community. So you can hang out with us there and we'll continue the conversation. Uh, Niels, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Awesome. Bye, everybody. See you next time.